Hey everyone, this is Megan. I'm back this week with Foundations Recovery Live, and today I'm going to talk about gateway drugs and this theory that is behind it that is causing a lot of research to find out if there is really such a thing as gateway drugs. So I will share with you some of the research that has been done and the ideas behind it, and I'm also going to share my personal story that will provide you with my personal opinion behind it um, because that's what peer recovery is all about is sharing personal stories and helping uh, others who are along the same lines or have the same feelings or thoughts or whatever. So let me just start off by talking about a couple of definitions of gateway drugs. The first one is from drugrehab.com and they define gateway drugs as a habit-forming drug that can lead to the use of other more addictive drugs, okay? And the next definition is from AmericanAddictionCenters.com, which is kind of a big deal. So their thought process is the idea that use of one particular substance will lead individuals to subsequently be at a greater risk to abuse other substances. Now, with my personal story, it kind of coincides with the latter definition from American Addiction Centers. So before I get into my personal story, I'm just going to kind of talk about why there's this research behind the idea of a gateway drug. Obviously, everyone's trying to find the reason why there is such a drug problem in America. I mean, for me, it's globally, but in America, okay? And it seems to me, this is my personal opinion, it seems to me that any one person or people are going to grasp on to anything that could give them an answer to why there's a drug problem. And Look, for uh, the last year and a half, I've been doing a lot of um, educational courses because I'm I'm working towards getting certifications and licensure in uh, drug abuse and alcohol addiction and counseling, right, for um, our treatment center in Arizona. And because this is something that's really important to me, and I've lived through a very long life uh, of, of different sides of the coin. Okay. And so it's important to me and it's required that I get educated. It's required that I attend certain things. It's required that I follow certain things. Okay. So I've been blessed with the opportunity to learn a lot. And like I said, it just seems to me that with all the things that I've been learning, this is my personal opinion yet again, that the research that's being done behind gateway drugs is to give a reason why we have a drug problem in America. And unfortunately, the research that has been done by some of these really big, giant, prominent people and corporations just has kind of led them to nowhere. There, As of right now, there literally is no definitive answer um, to if there is such a thing as a gateway drug or not. Now, marijuana 
is most often accused as or targeted as being the gateway drug, okay? Um, but now, because it's now legalized, that changes the research, right? Um, same with painkillers. Painkillers are kind of up there as being um, a gateway drug. But again, that's in most cases something that you're able to just get from the store, from, from a pharmacy, with a prescription from a doctor that's allowing you to have it. So the research just kind of leads to nowhere because of these factors, okay? They also, in these research, are trying to say that caffeine, tobacco, and alcohol fall shortly behind marijuana in uh, their thought process and idea of being a gateway drug. So with that information, let me just share with you my personal story. This is why I love peer recovery is personal stories, personal stories. So my personal story and how it relates to gateway drugs is this. When I first started smoking weed, right? It was fun. I had a great time. Like I loved it. It was, it was fun. I liked it. Bottom line. I learned how to smoke weed the summer before I moved to a new state, to a new school, the whole thing, okay? And um, that's the lane I stayed in was just smoking weed and cigarettes. And that was it. And at my school, I had to walk to school. And I'm going to sound like your grandpappy. I had to walk three miles each way every day to school. I lived in Utah. It snowed. So those stories that grandpappy shares, it's, it's actually true. I lived it, okay? Regardless of the fact, though, a couple of my neighbor um, friends, kids, would walk to and from school also. And so I started kind of walking with them sometimes. Well, they were into huffing rubber cement. And had asked if I wanted to like join them. And here was my thought process as a, what was I, 13, 14 year old kid? Well, I already smoke weed like that's way above what they're doing. So sure, why not? I'll give it a try. Okay. I did it for a short period of time. Like it was kind of stupid. <laughs> I thought in my mind, like, the high lasted like for minutes that you literally like tasted the taste in your mouth. Like, and then I felt like I had this whole like thought of it, like in my lungs and everything. So it just was like a thing. And I, please remember I was a teenager. Okay. So when I'm talking about like, you know, the thought process of it being in my lungs, I'm a cigarette smoker and a, and a weed smoker. Like I'm a teenager. Okay. So just bear with me. So anyways, I got over that real quick. It just, it wasn't for me. Okay. So I just, I stuck to smoking weed. So that was my thing for that, uh, school year. The very next school year was now my, uh, technically my sophomore year in high school, but the school system out there is different. So like ninth grade was still middle school and now I'm entering uh, my sophomore year as my first year in high school. Okay. So brand new friends, brand new environment, brand new everything. Okay. So I'm still smoking weed, still smoking cigarettes, just plugging along my own merry little way. And I make new friends and I start hanging out with them. They smoke weed too. And that was our thing at this point. Um, 
I was at home a lot during the day and I wasn't going to school much because my mom had many days where she was mentally and emotionally incapable of getting my little toddler sister ready for school in the morning. And so she would just have me stay at home and babysit her on school days. And when my friends and I decided that we should start staying home from school or cutting class or leaving school early to start drinking alcohol, I very much took advantage of the sick notes from my mom. Okay. Not a good idea. That, that was just not a good idea. However, when my friends who already smoked weed with me said, Hey, let's start drinking. Can anybody get alcohol? I quickly raised my hand because yes, I could. I had beyond Costco size bottles of vodka at my access at my fingertips. I literally, I, I literally, it was above our pantry. I didn't even have to climb up on a chair or anything to grab it. That's how easily accessible it was. Okay. So I usually provided the vodka. Um, I suggested a way of getting the little sunny D bottles. Um, so somebody was able to get that, have their parents get that and we would cut school and that's what we would do. Okay. And I was not afraid to try drinking. I had never started drinking. I've never tasted alcohol, nothing up until this point. And I wasn't even afraid of it because I had already smoked weed for what a year and a half at this point or longer and knew like what it was like to be high. So being drunk or buzz couldn't be any worse, right? It, it could only be better at that point. Okay. So <clears throat> that was my life then for a while, smoking weed, smoking cigarettes, and drinking. Fast forward a little bit, and I stumble across this very large bag of cocaine in my stepdad's closet and didn't even second guess giving it a go because, again, I've already smoked weed. I know how it feels to be high. I drink now. I, I drink with my friends. I already know what it's like to be buzzed and drunk. So how much worse can it be to snort cocaine? So before I tell my friends about it and offer them some, I decided to try it on my own. And it was just not at all, <laughs> not at all what I had heard it was like. It actually was pretty miserable. I was really upset and underwhelmed because, like, to put myself through the act of doing it, to just not have anything and, and just be bothered by this flappy phlegm in my throat, I just was like, this is stupid. I did try it again, though, because I was like, I, I felt like I couldn't just give up on it and just be like, that was my experience with it. I felt like I wanted to have the whole experience that society had put out there for me. Okay. I never got it. Just so you know, I never got it. Never had that experience and whatever. It doesn't matter. But my, the thing behind this statement is I wasn't afraid. I already knew what it was like to be high. So in my mind, it only could get better, right? Or different. Okay, 
So now we fast forward a little while longer. And my stepdad, who at the time was helping to supply my mom with her speed addiction, along with all her other addictions, when he was kind of telling me his affiliation with her and her problems. Like, I guess it was like him throwing me a bone or something. I don't know. But he said, do you want to try speed? And I was like, "Uh, no, I didn't. I didn't want to smoke speed. Like that just didn't. I felt like that was like on the borderline of like my, where I draw the line. Okay. And he said, oh, well, that's okay. You don't have to smoke it. I'll just, I'll smoke it and I'll blow it into you and you can get the high. Oh, okay. Well, that sounded fine to me. So I did that. Okay. Didn't really get much of a high. Like I felt like being high off of weed and drinking alcohol was way more better than this. Like this was like super whack. Okay. And so that was that. So I moved on with my life. Okay. But again, my whole thought process was, eh, why not? I've already tried this. I've already tried that. I already know this. I already know that. This can't be any worse. It could only be better. Okay. That is my thought process continuously through all of these years while all of these things are being put in my hand. Fast forward again. Now I'm in the summertime at back at my dad's house and my aunt, who at the time her drug of choice uh, was crack um, had offered it to me, her boyfriend who also did it with her, offered it to me uh, several, several times. And that's where I drew the line because in my mind, crack, heroin, and meth were the things I was just never going to touch. I guess, fortunately, society had portrayed those three drugs as just being like death, that I was afraid of it. I felt like I had control over smoking weed because it's just a plant from the earth. Like how bad could it be? And, and mind you at that time, it definitely was not laced and, and, um, fabricated the way that it is now. Weed now is way different. Like this stuff, like I knew the grower it was coming from and I get, this stuff was homegrown. It was just a seed that somebody planted, you got it, and you smoked it. That was it. Now you just don't even know what you're getting anymore, okay? So it is a little different now. But anyways, what I'm trying to say is, for me, then and now, I do feel like, for me personally, weed was the gateway drug for me to an extent, right? I knew what I was never going to try. I knew the things that I was never going to try. Okay. But like I had repeatedly said, while I was telling you this story, I just felt like I already knew what it was like to be high. So why not try something else? Why not try something different? Like how it can't be worse. It can only be better. And that can be the thought process behind some people and why some people have certain substances be a gateway for them. But as a population, as a whole, there is not a definitive answer behind 
gateway drugs and if there truly is one. And the reason why, even after all the research, there is no way that they can pinpoint a cause and effect because look at the reason why I started smoking weed was for fun. I was a teenager. Like it almost was like, that was like your, your passage into teenage life was to at least try something, either smoking cigarettes or drinking. Like it, it was just what was going to eventually happen as a teenager. Okay. So I started it and I liked it. And that was that. I personally did not do it because there was something that I was trying to um, mask the pain of, right? Like, did I have a tumultuous childhood? Yes. Was I masking the pain for it? No. Like, I wasn't really in pain. Like, it was just, it was a messed up situation that I lived and that was that in my mind then. I just liked to smoke weed because I liked smoking weed. Like it just was fun. I didn't do it every single day, but I mean, it was pretty near close to every single day. So there's no way, at least in this day today, that there's going to be a definitive answer if there's such a thing as a gateway drug. Every person will have their own individualized experience with drugs to the point where they may feel like something was a gateway for them. Um, and like I said, I do. I do feel like by me starting to smoke weed that it was a gateway for me to not be afraid to try more stronger substances and not be afraid to feel that high or not be afraid of what the consequences would be because I've already past that threshold. I already dipped my toes into that water and I'm swimming. So like it didn't matter to me, but everybody's story is different. Okay. But on a scientific research level where there can be, um, you know, I guess you could say a diagnosis behind it, or it could be the answer to why you're an addict or why you're a substance abuser or why we have this, this whole global um, uh, epidemic of drug addiction, that's not the answer. And I really don't think that it's going to ever be the answer because there's just so many variables in it that can't just be pinpointed to one thing. So I hope that that kind of enlightens you on this whole theory of gateway drugs. As of right now, there is no research that can support that there is such a thing as a gateway drug or pinpoint which drug is indeed a gateway drug. And everybody's journey is different. And I hope that you learned at least one new thing today and that you could hopefully share it with somebody um, who is in this community of substance use and abuse and addiction. And um, yeah, so that's it for this specific topic. It will be another ongoing topic like the stigma is uh, just because it is an ongoing research thing. And who knows the things I'm saying right here and right now about it not being um, a researched definitive answer hell tomorrow it might be who knows there might be some genius who just like you know figured out how to crack the code I don't know 
So it could be a topic that is discussed again later on down the road. Um, and definitely as um, I start having more and more guests on our podcast, it is going to be something that's discussed because I think that it's helpful for other people who um, use and abuse substances um, because it's relatable and that's what peer recovery is all about. So next time on our podcast, we will be talking about substance abuse and addiction in the workplace and it'll be different um, forms um, and effects of uh, substance abuse and addiction in the workplace. So I hope that you turn in because it should be interesting and I'm sure very, very, very relatable, not only to substance abusers and addicts, but coworkers and family members, which is, is something that I really like to focus on as well as not, of course, I want to give all my attention and push peer recovery on substance abusers and addicts, but there's other people who are involved in um, substance abuse and addiction, and they need to hear all this too. So that's next week. In closing, please check out our website. We have such great information. You can download all of our podcasts. Uh, we have resources and you can contact us. Our website is www.foundationsrecoverytcfortreatmentcenter.com. You can also check us out on social media. We are at Foundations Recovery. And uh, yeah, get in contact with us, check us out, follow us, share our mission. And I can't wait to talk to you again next week. Thanks.